let's love and praise our God this morning. Feel after his mighty touch, his holy hand. Oh, let that great grace of God minister to us. I love you, Lord, and I praise you, Lord. I worship you, Holy Father, and our hearts and minds be open to you, O oh God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your great love, O oh God. Thank you. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Good to see you this morning. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. In Luke chapter 17, I'd like to begin with verse 11 this morning. And it came to pass, as he, that is Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And when he heard them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and, and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Wilt thou, or rather, excuse me, where that, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And everybody said, praise the Lord. I'd like to minister for just a little while this morning on the blessing of obedience. The blessing of obedience. You may be seated. God bless you. There are many things that grab our attention. And usually the things that grab our attention are the high-flying, high-faluting things, you know. Uh, and consequently, we, we overlook some things that maybe they're what we would call sleepers. They're, they're just in there quietly, but they certainly have great significance, they great accomplishment. And the thing that you like is a steadiness. You like something that is steadfast and sure, and it's a sure enough type thing. And that's the thing about obedience, the simplicity. You know the Bible used the term simplicity, called it the simplicity of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. And there are some things that maybe in their simplicity, they get overlooked. They're not really grabbing people's attention. They're not uh, jumping right out at everybody. But in their simplicity and in their steadfastness and their sureness, they keep on keeping on. There's a constant there with them. There's that sure enough that, that they can be counted on. Uh, there's a lot of things about our bodies, physical bodies, that uh, are pretty much steady and steadfast. And we're thankful for it, I hope. Uh, you know, we woke up this morning and the lungs are gone. The respiratory system is working. The heart is beating. And there's a whole bunch of things. Uh, like I said, we might pay a lot more attention to that beating heart and those heave whole lungs, and, uh, but there's a lot of other things going on that are perking <laughs> real good, and, and uh, you know, uh, we might overlook them, we might not pay a lot of attention to them, but then let one of them quit, let one of them skip a beat, let one of them not show up for the job that day, and uh, It'll get our attention. It'll get our attention. And uh, we have here, according to Luke's account, we have ten lepers, if you like, for this time in which we live. We have ten cancerous people. And uh, it's a, maybe it's a mercer. It's a flesh-eating cancerous disease here. And... Uh, some of these ten parts of their nose is missing or their ear, maybe up into their eye. And there's grotesqueness when you look at them. And, of course, the law of that time, and this was under the law, that it was commanded that they had to, it said they stood afar off. Well, they had to stand afar off. They were, they were, they were commanded by the law that they had to even let people know that they were lepers, as if they couldn't tell by looking at them. But nonetheless, they had to cry out, unclean, so that nobody would come near them. Nobody would come near them. You know, leprosy in the Bible is a type of sin. It's a shadow and a type of sin. And, uh, boy, there should be some things that just scream out to us that unclean. Don't want anything to do with that. Don't come near that. Don't touch that. Don't handle that. And uh, there's some things that should be obvious to us. And I know that it's been said in the advertising field that packaging, packaging is everything. How you put the thing together and package it and present it to grab people's attention. And... Uh, as I said, there's some things that are done in a more low-key manner, and uh, maybe it's an understatement, and yet it's, it's solid, and it's important, and it's maybe even necessary. But when they want to 
get you going out the door and get those impulse items. They have a way of packaging it and making it just jump out at you. And, you know, you just grab it and you waste some more money. Buy that impulse thing. And there are, and we are impulsive by nature, unfortunately. But there's, um, what I'm saying to you is there is um, situations where people, like I said here at these ten lepers, where they, they were compelled and commanded by the law that they, they had to scream out. They had to let people know. They had to make it very plain that they were unclean and they were sick and they were diseased. We're living in a world, though, that there's a lot of slick packaging that goes on. There's a lot of uh, presentation that is very deceptive. And they, we've sang a song since I came in the church, and that's 46 years and some months ago, uh, that they call the right wrong. They call the wrong right. These are the last days. Well, these are the end of the last days, actually. And, uh, and there are things I'm trying to say to you that are presented to look innocent and to not be obvious that there's any problem with that. You don't need to be concerned about that. It's not something that just jumps out or screams at you and says unclean, bad, negative, sinful, stay away from. There's a lot of things that are done in a much more, as I said, subtle manner. Uh, very understated. Designed to deceive you. And Jesus did warn about deception by any means. Not to be deceived by any means. Bible is teaching us that in these end of the last days that there would be things that would be very sneaky, very underhanded, very deceptive, and that arguments would be made that there's nothing wrong with this. And many times people don't see what's wrong with a thing, that they're not as sharp or insightful or perceptive as they should be or as they could be, and they don't pay attention like they should pay attention. And that's usually because of this flesh, this fleshly mind. The Bible talked about the lusts of the flesh and of the fleshly mind, the carnal mind, the natural mind. It does tell us that the natural cannot receive the spiritual. It doesn't properly perceive it doesn't see the good of it. It doesn't understand it. It fights against it. And the more that, the, the bad part is, the really bad part is that having once known, come to the knowledge of the truth, be blessed with the holy commandment to be delivered from sin, to get your eyes, and one place use terminology, the eyes of your understanding, open, 
that you might see things correctly from God's point of view. And that God is trying to make you wise. That also is in the Bible. The scriptures that would make you wise unto salvation, even from a child. Sunday school, even from a child. That you could be brought up from an early age and that you could know what is correct and what is right and that you could have an insight and that you could pass that on. Could be generational. You're passing it on down. We, nobody in their right mind would pass down leprosy. Hey, look what I got. My nose is coming off, my ears hanging off, my eyes being eaten away, and I'm dying of cancer. And I want to give you some of that. Would you like some of that? Nobody would want to do that. Nobody in their right mind is going to do that. And that's Bible terminology too, isn't it? Right mind. The guy that came out of the catacombs screaming and bellering and hollering and cussing and fighting and nobody could do anything with him, chains hanging off of him, broken chains hanging off of him because the amount of devils in him was so strong and so great that he could break the bonds and the restraints. He just wasn't going to listen to anybody. There was no talking to him. There was no breakthrough in his mind. The darkness, the Bible even used the term chains of darkness. There was no getting through. So much so that uh, he couldn't even abide with people. Came like a wild man. And, uh, but what a glorious day it was when Jesus stepped onto the shore off of the boat and onto the shore of Gadarenae. And then, by the grace of God, oh, how great is God's grace. Out of all the people of the community, the worst guy, (laughs) the very worst case, makes his way to Jesus. Submits himself to Jesus. Jesus says, what is thy name? Like he didn't know, right? But we might as well strike up a little conversation here. (laughs) See if we can find a little common ground. A little customer service, right, Sal? See if we can't, can't provide some of that. And so he says, his name is Allegiance. But we are many. You know, the devil was trying to show that he was in control. He was doing the talking. Trouble is, he was shaking in his boots, too. Because <laughs> he knew who he was standing in front of. How many times did he said, I know thee, thou holy one of God. Art thou come to torment us before the time? Yeah. And there stood the humble lamb of God. You know, the church poses no threat to anybody but the devil. 
You hear me? The church poses no threat to anybody but the devil. Nothing to be scared about the church. The church comes to do you good. The church comes to bring you life and that more abundantly. Church comes to pull you up. Church comes to stabilize you. And many other such things. The only thing to be scared and upset about the church is the power of God that casts out the devil in a person's life. It's as simple as that. That's the only thing that the church threatens. There stood the humble lamb of God, fresh off the boat. Barely got his feet on the shore. And here comes the screaming devils. devil starts begging. He knew. You have to understand something. It's, it's simplistic, but it, it needs to register in your mind. A lot of the screaming and the hollering and the contrariness and the fighting is because of the devil who's scared. Bible even said that Jesus told the devil on many occasions, hold thy peace. You want a translation on that? Want me to put that in English for you? Shut up. <laughs> That's what hold thy peace means. Shut up. Jesus told the devil to shut up. I read in Revelation where he's going to shut him up. I'm going to send an angel. Big old chain. See him just swinging that chain, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Time is coming. And because that time is drawing close, church family, these are the end of the last days. The devil's mad. He's wrought. He's foaming at the mouth. He's going to and fro. He's, he's upset. He's feeling the threat of the power of God that is imminent. You know, Jesus, he is going to return. He is coming back. He's going to catch his waiting, prepared bride away. And we're going to be changed at the last trump. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught up together with the dead in Christ. And I am assuming that I'm going to be here. <laughs> I might as well be like my pastor. He believed that. But God said, I, I want you too much. You come on here now. <laughs> so we lost out. <laughs> my pastor went up and we got, we got left. <laughs> 
And that's all right. That's all right. Because God's got a plan. And his plan's right. His plan is right. And uh, so the devil's begging. He's begging. And he's, he's shook up. He don't know where he's going to go. He don't know what he wants to do, but he knows he, he's not happy with this situation. It's too threatening to him. It's too threatening to his lifestyle. He's got this dude living in the catacombs. He's got him doing all kinds of things. Of course, they were self-inflicted wounds, cutting himself every which way, hurting himself every which way. us that's what happens to us and you know until we come to the knowledge of the truth we can't figure it out why this goes wrong and why that goes wrong and you know one person said to me one time young woman she said every time I get a leg up I get knocked back down and that's when the pastors had to step up and say well let me tweak that for you. Let me show you how that can be corrected. And a little correction here and a slight correction there and a little tweak here and a little tweak there. And that young lady's life straightened out. Yeah. This book is real. The Word of God is living. It's not dead. little thing that I'm trying to preach to you this morning is the blessing of obedience. Just the simplicity of obeying. Is it not written in the Bible? To obey is better? You could just stop that right there. I like the rest of it, but you could just stop right there. To obey is better. Give it to you piecemeal. Give it to you a little at a time. You know, to obey is better. Obedience is better. There's a blessing in obedience. Suppose dad or mom says, take out the garbage. You're like, I don't want to take out the garbage. I'm really busy right now. I'm really busy right now. <laughs> well, what do you think the results are going to be of, of not doing what, be, what you're being told to do? Just putting this on a very elementary level here. <laughs> you know that situation is going to deteriorate and it's going to go from bad to worse. Sure it is. Sure it is. Sure it is. I watched a situation this morning that was going from bad to worse. I watched little Jamelia. She was heading to the staircase and mommy was doing my little thing, you know, 
baby was ignoring. And stairs were getting closer. And uh, then, then the voice calling. Ears are shut down. Not hearing anything. That strong human spirit, that determination, had no clue what's what's coming up and what's going to happen. I remember, I remember JL. This is a little one on the on the pew, and it was just a grace of God because Dad was in the sound booth. He was too far away, and I just happened to be right there in the middle aisle and as little old thing just stepping right off the end of that pew that would have been a, a very it's not the fall it's the sudden stop <laughs> and it was fixing to happen friend and uh and i promise you i reached out in midair and caught her upside down no less <laughs> and uh you know, God can put the man of God right where he can save you. And I planted myself between those stairs and Jamelia when she wasn't listening, you know, and blocked her from taking that first of many steps down, you know, ba-boom, 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 ba-boom is what that would have been. And uh, think about that, though, in our lives. I had a, a, a preaching family here not too long ago. And uh, conversation. And in the conversation, they brought it up. They brought it around. And I told them. And I do not blush to say it I said the single worst thing you can do are you listening church family the single worst thing you can do is put a television in your home I notice it's mighty quiet right now but you know you're not going to you're not going to run a pipe line from the sewer to your house and, and tell the sewer plant, ah, pump it on in, no problem. You're not going to do that. But people will call the cable company like one woman did, and she said, they said, where do you want the dish? She said, oh, put it where the pastor can't see it. Oh, did I mention it was triple X? Just hook the sewer right up. Come on. Hook it right up. Bring it right in. We like that stink. We like that smelly stuff. Just bring it right on in. Pretty soon, got one in every room. 
not to mention the family room. And then after a while, it's what family? You see, you see, the Hollywood sewer is anti-family. This world is anti-family. The spirit of it is anti-family. They're not interested in, in seeing families work together. They're not interested in good, strong family units. That's not the enemy's plan at all. What I am speaking to you about this morning, about the blessing of obedience. Getting in line with God. The devil is opposite God. He's anti-God. Anything God says, the devil sets in to go opposite it. It doesn't matter if it makes any sense at all. He's going to be against it. That's the devil's nature. That's who he is. That's how he is. And you should pretty much expect that. You know, as you get a little bit discernment, a little bit of understanding open, and that you would realize that there is that force that comes to fight against any work of God, any move of God in my life. The, the enemy, believe me, will allow you. He will pave the way for you to do anything. That will lead you away from God. And I'm not talking generic. I'm talking truth. He doesn't. There are religious devils. He, does, he won't care what religion you get involved with. And people will get involved with religion, and they will do some very extreme things. The devil will aid and abet that extremism. Bible teaches in Revelation chapter 12 that that dragon, which is the devil, which is Satan, which is the old serpent, that he, uh, he persecuted the woman that brought forth the man-child that would rule the nations with a rod of iron. You didn't see him going and fighting anything else. No, no, no. He very focused. He's after the church, church family. And the church is not the building. The church is a body of believers. It's a body of people who have learned and experienced the blessing of obedience. Obedience. The Bible said is better. Obedience is better. There are people that will sing it better than us. Technically, I've I've uh, I remember 
on more than one occasion, many, many years ago. I was sitting right there. And, uh, I had a preacher here, a young preacher. And he was a singer. He was a songwriter. Came from a preaching and singing family. A lot of, lot of uh, heritage. <clears throat> and uh, they were from Mississippi. And... Um, he, uh, he was getting ready to play a song, and I'd given instruction for somebody else to play and sing at that moment in the service. And the, the person, and I told him what song I wanted them to sing. And the person did not obey me. They, oh, they had such a good reason not to, because this person, visiting preacher told him that he was playing it and singing it wrong. And uh, <laughs> you know, church family, I'm going to tell you again, it's not the pretty packaging. It's, it's not the glamour and the glam. With God, it's that simple obedience. That simple obedience. Here we had ten lepers, and they are standing afar off. They're letting it be known that they're, they're diseased, they're sinful, they're, they're in no good shape. But they, by the church, their eyes fell on the church. And they cried out. Begin to they, they begin to pray. They begin to say, "Have mercy, have mercy." And you know there was no battle about. Well, you have to do what he says. That's not what they said. They said, "Have mercy on us, Master." Master. There was no argument about slavery. There was no argument about about who you think you are, you know, who you think you is. There's none of that going on. Master, have mercy on us. Their need was great. Some people cannot visualize their need until it's too late. Now, these guys still had a little kick in them. They still had a little life. They cried out. They used what breath, and they got a lung full of air, and they took a great big deep breath, and they, they just sung out at the top of their voice, Master, have mercy on us. And the church doing what the church does and being like the church is had mercy on them. He said, okay. But notice what happened. There was nothing visual at that moment. 
nothing but you. Jesus gave an instruction. We're going to see. We're going to gauge. We're going to test. He said, go show yourself. Go do what the law, the word of God says to do. Do it according to chapter and verse. See if you'll obey God's word. You want things to improve? You want things to get better? Okay, here's your chance. Doesn't that remind you of uh, a guy by the name of Captain of the Host of Syria? And he he got he got leprosy. He's got bad problems. He's to be held in reputation. He's the captain of an army. And here he's got cancer. And he's got an ugly sore and open and oozing and gross. Nobody in the whole place could do anything. And don't think they didn't try. They had their remedies. They had their... They're doctors. They were more advanced than you might think. And, uh, but nothing, nothing was working. And so, here's a little maid, here's a little girl, went to Sunday school, taught the truth, raised up, finds herself working. Got a little job, letting her light shine. And so she witnesses to him and tells him where you can go to where you can get your problem taken care of. And she was so convincing, he believed her. He told him, mount up. Where are we going? We're going to see a prophet, a preacher. In Israel, that's where we're going. And you didn't question orders. And so, boy, oh, boy, they mounted up, saddled up, and they headed out. And, uh, well, the prophet was a little busy that morning, and I guess it was they got there and they interrupted his breakfast or something. And he just said, Gehazi, go on out there and take care of that. So the servant got up and he went out, looked at the captain of the host. Didn't take long to figure out what the problem was. Okay, hold on a minute. Went back inside. Told the preacher. Preacher said, tell him to, to dip seven times in the river out there. And he toddles back out there and he tells the captain of the host with the problem what to do. 
pretty simple. Go over to the river, dip down seven times, and everything will be fine. Everything will be hairy. He took issue with that. He grumbled about that. He complained about that. I don't understand that go dipping. I got better rivers back home. Why'd I come over here to dip in this river? I could have done that at home. Our rivers are cleaner. Human thinking, human reasoning. Nature of the flesh is to argue. Nature of the devil is to be opposite and against. You know, things do graduate if you read your Bible. And, and, and what can start out as a little big thing can grow to be a great big thing. You can make a mountain out of a molehill. Keep on, keep on, keep on. And something that, like the Apostle Paul, when he survived the storm, going to do what the preacher does, going to get a revival going, start to build a fire, and out of viper, snake poisonous, leaps onto him and latches on, won't let go, just latching on, trying to inject him with all kinds of poison. He's trying to build a fire. He looked at that and he said, paid no mind, just threw it off. I don't know if he had to do a couple of shots and get that pesky little thing out of there or whatever. But he shook it off and felt no harm, the Scripture says. So we got this. And he's wanting to argue with the preacher. Well, the, actually, the preacher's servant, trainee, that was just doing what he was told. Just went out there and told him what to do, what the preacher said to do, just do it. Well, he's arguing with the, making a fuss with people and just a, trying to, you know, give a little servant a hard time. Finally, even one of his sidekicks looked at the captain of the host, one of his sergeant-at-arms, and said, hey, he said, you know, if that guy had come out and told you to do some great big thing, he said, you'd have done it. He said, this is a simple thing. It's just simple obedience. It's just a simple thing. Now, you know how he went down in that water to begin with, don't you? Oh, all right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing how grown-ups can act so childlike. <laughs> but, you know, with each dipping, it was getting easier. And with each dipping, it was getting better. Because there's a blessing. And let me use the adjective simple obedience. Blessing. 
of simple obedience. Man, when he come up out of the water that that seventh time, whoo, it was all gone. All gone. We've got a world that's having an awful big struggle over simple instructions of repentance and be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. That you can come up out of that water. Woo! It's all gone. I'm clean. Now you don't have to go around and scream unclean anymore. Now you can go around and scream clean. Look at my life. Because obedience brings a blessing with it. It becomes obvious as, as your tree begins to blossom of your life. And the fruit that's coming out, love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, so on and so forth, coming out. Beautiful, luscious fruit. Your face is glowing. There's a spring in your step. And it's not from evil, filthy lyrics either. And themes that are promoted by the devil because he's, he likes anarchy. He likes tension. He likes fighting. Because that's who he is. That's his nature. But see, that's, not, that's the nature of the beast, but that's not the nature of a child of God. Our nature gets changed. Because now we, we're putting on Christ. Because we repented and we got baptized in Jesus' name. And then God fills us with his sweet Holy Spirit. And now we're born again of water and the Spirit. And we're in that body of Christ. Well, now you better fasten your prayer seat belt so you can stay in the church. Because now, more than ever, you're in the scope the eye of the enemy. Now you're part of the woman that he persecutes. Now you're part of the church, the body of Christ. And that's who he's after. Name any religion you want. He's not after them. But when you start talking about Holy Ghost salvation, true Bible, Holy Ghost, Jesus' name, baptism, one God, holiness, believing, salvation. Well, you're talking about the devil's enemy. That's what the devil sets out to destroy. He hates the church. He persecutes the church. He fights the church. He's looking to pick anything, argue anything, take issue with anything. There's an old saying, you know, somebody would fight at the drop of the hat and said and that individual would drop the hat. <laughs> well, the enemy wants to argue. The enemy wants to start fights. The enemy wants Bible word quarrel. He wants that. Part of the nature is to be quarrelsome. You know, 
very opposite. That fruit, that peace, that peace, that peace of God that passeth understanding. Oh, boy, he just, and, and you've got, I'm trying to tell you, you've got ten lepers there. And they, they're not, they're not arguing. They're saying, Master, they, they, they want him. They recognize him. You're the one that's in control. You're the authoritative one. I, I, I like Jesus marvel, as he did in the days of his flesh, in other words. I, too, marvel here in the days of my flesh about people that can understand like the centurion could understand. Got, I got a problem back at the house. <laughs> and the, the Lord said, okay, I'll come. You know, Jesus and the church are very accommodating. Very accommodating. We're not built on fuss. We're not built on fumes. We're not built on carnal fighting. Weapons of all warfare are not carnal. We're, we're not about that. That's not our nature, arguing and fighting and fussing and fuming, quarreling. That's, that's just not us. That's not the spirit that we've gotten. It's not the experience that we've gotten. That's not the nature that we've gotten. And, and so this individual said, you, you don't have to come to my house. He said, I know how this works. He said, I have people that are under me, and I tell them to go do, and they go do. And he said, and I also am a man that is set under authority. I have people over me. And they tell me to go do, and I go do. And the Bible teaches, basically, that Jesus stepped back. He marveled. He marveled at such understanding. As the man said, just speak the word, and it'll be done. It could save yourself a trip cross country on a hot day. And of course, Jesus did speak the word, and the, the request, the prayer was answered. And the man was standing there explaining. Obedience. Obedience is better. Obedience is better. And when those lepers displayed faith and submission, Master!
something. Okay, let's test this out. Let's, let's prove the sincerity. You ever read that? Of your love? The proof of your love? Oh, lots of people say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You know? Do you now? <laughs> well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. Is it this thin? You know, is it this thin? We're going to find out here. We're going to test. You know, the, the Bible teaches very plainly. Appreciate these young men. What a difference. Stephen, stand up for me. You know, when this young man came, you know that he, he stuttered a lot, and God has since given him a touch. All right, Stephen, you can sit down now. God bless you. Amen. There's something to be said about the presence of God and the peace of God and the power of God. You know, just one of those, like I tell about the, the little girl that came from the trailer park, probably over 30 years ago, in our academy, we're finishing our 37th year. August will start number 38. And uh, by God's grace. And she had warts all over her arms, hands. And she'd be in her office doing her work, and something would hit the edge of that desk, and break that thing open, one of them, and she'd be bleeding. And, you know, everybody just got used to it, you know. And I guess she was used to it. And then we had a chapel service. The power of God moved in that service. So everything went on. And I went into that learning center one day for some reason. Her name is Renee, Renee Thomas. I think she was nine or ten years old. And uh, Jean Safel was the supervisor of that learning center. And I, I got to visiting each kid and making sure they were doing their work. And, and I looked and I, I realized. I said, Renee, I, I said, where, where are your warts? She's just like a kid, she goes, oh, they went away. You know that service we had the other day? They went away. <laughs> we shouted right about then. <laughs> we shouted right about then. Yeah. Well, those lepers, those lepers, in their obedience, their simple obedience to the master, they called him master. They were in route doing being obedient, obediently doing what he told them to do. And they looked and they felt. It was all gone. Oh man. You have to understand the magnitude of that church family. These people were outcasts. They weren't welcome anywhere but in the leper colony. That's it. 
People saw them coming. They went the other way. They were even warned to go the other way. You know, you really, after a while, you just can't hide sin. It's just going to show itself. But it's all gone now. It's all gone. And one of the ten, in seeing, the Bible said in seeing that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice falling on his face, he worshipped him. Talking to you about the blessing of obedience and even slipping in the adjective simple. The blessing of simple obedience. Tells you what kind of obedience. Simple obedience. Nothing complex about it. That's why you really don't have to say it because really obedience is just obedience. It's, it's really not complex. It's simple. The gospel is not complex. It's simple. Repent. Be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's simple. But those of us who have and do witness outreach work, Bible study, we know how we can run into walls of unbelief and how complex it becomes to people's minds because of the interference of unbelieving spirits. It just scrambles it, and they somehow they cannot see the simplicity. And the big thing is because there's a refusal to obey. Just, just do what it says. Just dip in the water. Just, just go in the river. How bad do you want to get rid of your sin? Well, how bad does your sin appear to you to be? don't think that their argumentativeness, their quarrelsome ways, is a big deal. Some people don't think that their harsh, stout words are a big deal. But you know, the Bible did say and teach about when sin becomes exceeding sinful. Nasty. You know, just need to really take a good look at what bad shape. Damn it, those lepers were looking at themselves. Man, man, we in bad shape. Naming the captain of the host of Syria, he he got to realize, oh, I'm in bad shape here. I'm an embarrassment to my men, to everybody around me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just ugly. 
You go, ugly spirit. Sin becomes exceedingly sinful. Nasty junk. It's like that young man that was on the drums many, many years ago. He got smelling. Man, I know I put my deodorant on. I know I put my cologne on. After all, the girls are going to be here tonight. What is that smell? And he said it was really, really bad and overpowering and rank. And he said the Lord spoke to him. He said, that's your spirit. Oh, your sin becomes exceedingly sinful. Stank. Rank. Smelly. Nasty. Master, have mercy on me. Well, just obey. Okay, then. I'll do it according to the book. Okay. Because I, I realize now I really, I'm really in bad shape. I'm an embarrassment to everybody and everything, and I'm, whoo. Man. Yeah, yeah. And in their obedience, they were healed. I thank God for the one that recognized where it came from. And he recognized it. Recognized it. Recognized it. I'm going to finish by trying to pick up on a thread that I kind of moved off from there when I told you that you know, the Bible's talking about the trying of your faith, the testing of your faith. And uh, the Old Testament, they're getting ready to go into the church, the church land, Canaan land, where all the gifts were. The rivers flowed like milk and honey. Houses that they didn't build, they were going to get to live in. Trees laden down with fruit. Wonderful, wonderful promises and things. And that's right in your Bible, what I just told you. And, uh, and God had cleaned out a whole bunch of stuff. Every once in a while, my wife gets on that kick. You know, she starts opening the cabinets that she took everything out and she cleaned everything in the kitchen and she put down fresh paper and put the all the dishes back and everything just right. So I come home and she says, look! And she starts opening the cabinet. And I'm like, okay, that's really nice, honey. Whoopie-doo. <laughs> but of course, I have to make a big deal out of it. You know, I have to do that. Otherwise, it would be World War III. So, you know, why go to World War III over something like that? You know, why not just, honey, that's awesome. You the bomb, girl. <laughs> and all the while, my mind is like, oh, God, I got something else to do, and I can't wait to get go doing it. 
And, uh, but I, I get joy out of the fact that joy is so happy. <laughs> so that's my consolation right there. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, there's a lot of things that God cleaned out in Canaan land. He did a lot of house cleaning. He cleaned house. He got he got things looking good in Canaan land. He got rid of a lot of tribes of people that were mean and ugly and nasty and sinful and sinned. And he moved he moved that sin out. He got rid of that. And uh, so in comes the church. Some tribes. They're getting their portions allotted to them. And uh, sometimes people get upset about what somebody gets when they come into church. But we've always said your altitude is based on your attitude. You want to go up? You get your attitude going up. you can be getting very upset about really is that you're recognizing something you're seeing all you're seeing is the blessing you're not understanding why the blessings are there and I'm telling you it's the blessing of obedience the blessing of obedience everybody said praise the Lord but there were some there were some things left I don't want you to get uncomfortable, and I don't want your woman to get mad. Got to protect you, son. Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's give all these young ladies a big hand. God bless them. All right. There were some things left in Canaan land, and I'm in conclusion now. If you want And that is, there was some, there was some potential of sins in certain places. That was left there, the Bible said, to try them, to test the church. There are going to be things that you can intermingle with. There's going to be things that you can partake of. Those things are there to try you, to test you. God said to see whether or not you love me and you're going to keep my commandments. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The Bible says for you not to think it's strange or odd concerning the trying of your faith, the testing of your faith. That it's more precious than fine gold. Master, I love you. Do you now? Isn't that what 
Saul? Boy, what all God did for Saul. First anointed king of Israel. And God blessed him. God took him from the backside in the smallest bunch of people in the house and promoted him, put so many good things in his life. And God gives him a simple instruction. Little job, take out the garbage. Little simple thing. No big thing. Go clean your room. Make the bed. Something simple, something easy. And so the day comes. Preacher comes to town. Preacher walks in on his situation. Preacher's name was Samuel. Been in the church since he was a child. Raised up, trained. Knew the voice of God. Saul's like, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. All that stuff, you know, all the high five, low five, all of it, you know. <laughs> this is all of it, the whole thing, the whole repertoire. And uh, <laughs> Samuel says, how's it going? Or as they say in Jamaica, how be going? That's the end of my patois, that and everything's area. I'm all out. And so, says, uh, Saul says, oh, it's great, man, it's great. Everything's going good. Woo, wonderful, great. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that little telltale thing rises up. Right when you don't want it to, right? And Samuel, preacher, says, yeah, everything's airy, huh? Everything's okay, huh? He said, then what means the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Nah. Why am I hearing that sound? I told that boy to turn that thing down. Well, he said, God told you. To wipe everything out. Right now, to the animals, everything is to be wiped out. And I smell something. Oh, it's King Agag. Yeah, I smell that nasty spirited guy. Well, you know, I. I oh, here come all the excuses now. All the excuses. Yes, sir, all the excuses. And that's when Samuel had to deliver the punchline. And he said, you've rejected the word of the Lord. I've told you, I told you, and you've rejected it because you didn't do it. It's plain and obvious. 
I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it. I'm smelling it. He said, and now God has rejected you. You know, I like how it ends with the leper. Oh, the ex-leper. The used-to-be leper. The healed leper. The forgiven leper. I, I like how that ends because the Bible has the Almighty God in flesh commending him and him he said a Samaritan at that, indication that the other nine were the local folk, were the ones that had the scriptures of a child that were able to make him wise to salvation. They knew. But here we got this dude, didn't know anything. Just raw sinner. be sad when people find themselves thrust out because they turned from the holy commandment. They rejected the word of God. They withstood the words of the preacher. You yourselves, he said, thrust out. That's going to be really sad be like them that were pounding on the door till their knuckles and fingers were bloody stumps wanting to get in and the door was shut because God shut it. God shut it. I like I like get in the church and stay in the church. He turned back and he worshiped God. He glorified God. He acknowledged God. God did this through the church, through the leadership, through the program, through the plan, through the word. That's how I got what I got. That's how I got what I got. Woo, I'm so glad I got what I got. Look at me, I'm clean. I'm happy. I'm blessed. How'd you get that blessing? Simple obedience. Simple obedience. I just, I just did what it said. You don't have to be an Einstein. You don't have to be an Einstein. You don't have to be the smartest man in the world. They said that they kept Einstein's brain to study it. I also read that they, they kept Ted Williams's brain. Whatever. That's not what you need. You need to get a heart of somebody that's got the Holy Ghost and study that. <laughs> that's what you need to, to save and preserve and freeze. Yeah. Get a good look at that. How can I get that? How can I live that? How can I be that way? How, how does that blessing, how do you get that blessing? Simple obedience. Let's take a moment and lift our hearts with our hands. I will obey thee, O Lord. I will obey thee, O God. I will worship you. You are the master. I will submit to you. I will, dear God.
by your grace, bring my flesh under subjection. I will prove out my love. It's not just words. Oh, God, I will. I will do what I must do. I'll do that. Preaching to you this morning, teaching to you this morning, that's the blessing of obedience. And it's really just simple obedience. That's all it is. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Thank you.